0: This is Carl. This is Mark.
1: And this is Sarah.
0: And this is Retrograding. this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we take a look at Heavyweights to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Now, Sarah, you put this episode forward, so you're going to do the plot summary, but we are going to try something a little bit different for this episode uh, to make it more fun for us and hopefully more fun for our listeners. So, you'll have to do the plot summary, but you'll be only given a minute to do so. You going to time me? I am going to time you. Uh, Let's see. Let me pull up this stopwatch. I had set it up. There we are. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go.
1: Heavyweights is the story of Jerry, a overweight child who is forced by his parents to go to fat camp over the summer. He arrives there and realizes it's not so bad. It's a bunch of kids like him and they just hang out and have fun. But partway through the summer, the camp um, gets sold because of bankruptcy and sold to crazy Ben Stiller, who's basically the same character as from Dodgeball, who subjects them to basically a torture fitness camp. Eventually, they decide to band together, defeat him and prove to their parents that he is a crazy person and that they don't need him. And in the end... They take back over the camp. They learn self esteem and learn that they don't need to do what they've been doing, and they also don't need to be crazy. They just need to have self esteem and self respect and be healthy. And in the end, they win the camp thing.
0: Apache relay. Apache relay. That's the camp thing. (laughs) thing. They win the camp forever. I couldn't think of a word. contest That's the well that I was wanted. an excellent job i mean i'm gonna have to do it next time and i don't look forward to it but yeah you did very well just given a minute all right so that was the cliff notes for the episode now let's take it more in depth so let's see for this section we've done this in the past but i just want to formalize it let's start at the beginning of the movie let's end with the apache relay and then just any sort of nonsense in between sound good okay Alright, so the movie starts out with the end of school for Jerry, start of summer, and guys, it goes off in a classic eighties trope immediately where the the students trash this school on no the No actual school I,
1: and- ends like that.
0: Exactly, that's what Never. I wrote down,
2: is every school movie I have seen like that, whenever it lets out for the summer, that's how it always ends the school oh, year? Oh yeah, just
0: garbage everywhere, streamer, streamer, what? confetti, let's throw a parade for school ending for one summer. It'll take him three months to clean it up.
1: He's what, maybe 13, so middle school?
0: I think he's 11, I think that's, a, I think that's what Ben Stiller keeps repeating. He,
2: yes,
1: yes, okay. he
2: does. I forgot about it until you just said that. So he's middle school. But
1: he's middle school. So so for me, the last day of school is is finals. You had semester test finals. So by the end of that day, you're not having like a riot. You're so exhausted and had to clean out your locker that all you want to do is go home and take a nap and be done.
0: Right. It just prepares you for finals in high school followed by finals in college. It's just depressing end to a year that was already tough. And
1: also, you want to get out of there as soon as possible. You don't stick around.
2: <sighs> I think that's Which, the whole point of the party and throwing papers, is that they all want to get away, but nobody reacts like that in real but life. But he nobody.
0: does. He leaves on time, gets... To the parking lot, and his bus has decided to leave him there. This is the most irresponsible bus driver in no. cinema history. I don't think because so. Because this is the only bus leaving. But they always every leave. other bus. They
2: always have a schedule. They're not going to stay there like and wait the f- if one person is missing. But there's
1: nothing like he's dawdled. That is School the fastest just moving let bus out. in the world. He
0: has gotten there within five minutes of the bell.
1: Yeah, that is the fastest moving bus I have ever seen.
0: And if you look at any other bus in that same scene, this is the only one leaving. The rest are in a line waiting for their respective well, students. the
1: whole point of this, like, beginning montage is to tell you his life is terrible. Like, there's no other reason for anything.
0: But oh, Well, I really love the song here, though. Uh, I think it's closer to free. Oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, but, like, why is his life so bad? He gets barked at a dog that's not trained. Um, also- He's bad at baseball. <laughs>
1: Which, why was he that close to that ball field anyway? Like, he was like oh, right Lord up by the knows. fence. And I'm like, why are you going over there if you're just walking home?
0: Oh, but this kid would fit right in with the sandlot. I do love that he tries to throw it over the fence, fails twice, and then tries to push it through the fence. <laughs> oh, God, kid, that's just not going to work.
1: My My note about the dog that was barking on him, it's an Australian Shepherd- Australian Shepherds are like not known for being aggressive. Two of my dogs have been Aussie mixes and they're like the nicest dogs ever. They're not like and and so the the fact that it's like aggressively barking I'm like that bark is not coming from that dog.
0: <laughs> this dog was clearly trained,
1: but <laughs> it was like that bark is not coming from that dog.
0: Uh, But my favorite part of the montage is that he steals lemonade from a bunch of little girls. (laughs) No, he pays! Uh, He slaps down about five dollars and then drinks a giant pitcher, where it was a dollar per Dixie cup.
2: was it? That's expensive lemonade anyway.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's a
2: donation, Mark.
1: They deserve their lemonade stole. The girls
0: are in this for profit.
2: Although, I don't get the feeling that he was depressed with his life, though. Like, things are going no. bad, but I think he was okay with himself at that
0: time. He had a Yeah, friend. he was excited for summer. This was like a momentary happenstance.
1: It was like the universe telling him worse was coming. But he had his skinny friend that never shows up ever again that was just there to tell you he's not a complete loser. He has a friend. Right.
0: I think his sole purpose was to be grossed out by a couple making out.
1: Which, that couple looked like they were like 19 years old. They did not look like they belong. Which is why I thought he was older, because I thought they looked like high schoolers.
2: I also don't know if I've ever seen that happening on the last day of school.
0: Oh, (laughs) no. They wouldn't do it outside. (laughs) It's the summer. They would have gone making out somewhere
1: else. They would have immediately, the make out couple would have immediately driven to some pool and made out there.
0: Probably or just went in their car or something, but let's move ahead. Uh, so he gets home his parents uh, Have a visitor for him which seemed weird to me because they are signing up for camp at the start of summer. And I know I recognize that guy from somewhere. He
1: was in Holes. Holes, yes. yes.
0: He was the fake therapist.
1: Yeah, he was in other stuff as well, but that was the first thing I immediately saw, thought of.
0: Yeah, so the Camp Hope promotional <laughs> video. I just have one note on this. that they they So they show him this tape to show him that this camp is wonderful. And you can actually do fun things before he realizes it's a fat camp. Uh, and... The thing that got me is that the, the head counselor says it's the 33rd year of the camp. Won't you join us for 34? Which means they have to make this tape every single summer. That's true. Which is maybe why this couple goes bankrupt.
1: Weird. I didn't notice that. I just noticed the butt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> At
1: one point when they're in the water, someone loses part of their swimsuit. And there was a definite butt. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I noticed that Jerry is a jerk to fat people.
0: Oh, yeah. He's he's a jerk <laughs> he's throughout the movie. Which, here he is completely justified. Because his dad is forcing him to go to a fat camp. And I think the line Jeffrey Tambor has there is, We gotta nip this thing in the bud.
1: But it's before that. It's, it's right when they're like, You can have fun and lose weight, too. Like, in the video, and he's like, I don't remember what he says, but he's like... This is a camp for some sort oh, of insurance. Yeah. It's fat say? people. And I'm like, take it out on your parents, not on the people in the video.
0: Also, judging by the head counselor, this camp doesn't work. Well, it obviously, do it's it not. It when we now, get the to the camp, you'll find fun. out why. Yes.
1: <laughs> the other counselor worked the, it the out. One guy.
0: No, okay, yes. But he's been going to that camp for 18 years. He advertises it as a fun way to lose weight. I don't think they're meeting that goal. No, they are not. They're having fun for sure and building self-confidence and friends, but I don't think that they're losing weight while doing it. I do think
1: the message of this thing is kind of – there is kind of a message of balance because this is – we do literally nothing and just have fun and then it goes into crazy time. And then it's like, hey, guys, right. how about we go somewhere in the middle?
0: Yeah, so the, the message here, which is a, a rare message, even for that time period, even for today, is that large people can be the hero.
1: Well, and it, it was this idea of we, we don't need to be crazy and completely change who we are, but we do need to have self-respect and...
0: And a little bit of self-control.
1: And control, because after the food orgy, and we're like, <laughs> let's not do that.
0: yeah. Oh god, that that party looked crazy fun, but they did suffer yeah, but a the, massive it was food. This kind of afterwards.
1: idea of we we can get ourselves together and do it for us and not for anyone else.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I I love that idea. I wish more movies are, were about this and not starring you know incredibly handsome men and women where you would have people of different body types just accepting themselves and having, you know, their own um, coming of age stories.
1: And like, they never like show them at at the end. There's, there's not this show of, Oh, look, here's the success stories. They've all lost weight. It was just, here's them. Now they're having fun going for walks together and, and they're learning to cook together and stuff like that. Like they've, they've learned how to make things fun and interesting and work together. And, and stuff like that, it wasn't like...
0: Yeah, they found their tribe, to use a terrible trope of Tumblr. Uh,
1: <laughs> Please don't.
0: <laughs> all right, let's 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 get to the camp. Uh, to do this, I, I do want to talk a moment about the flight he has to take to get there. Because there were several things about this flight that did not make sense to me. One, he is flying across country on his own to go to a summer camp. That is absurd to me. Uh, secondly, I've done it. really, I mean not to go we to will. summer camp, but we I not to camp, that.
2: but I have done it before. I
0: I never did it that age. I've done it myself when like college would have been the first time. Junior high, I think, is too early.
1: My sister and I were maybe I was maybe twelve. Yeah, and, and my sister would have been fourteen when we flew from here in the Midwest to California by
2: ourselves. Wow, I went to Florida by myself when I was.
0: All right. Apparently, you guys are way braver and less stressed <laughs> out by flight. It doesn't I
2: mean am. it went well. It just means that I have done. I that. was it's not. Just that <laughs> My sister was. At the airport, was.
0: so many different things can go wrong. Like they yes. can change your gate, and you might not notice it. Your flight might get canceled, and you have to go to the ticket counter to reschedule.
1: I think a lot of times, if you're having a kid that's flying by themselves, you can you can tell the people and they do some sort of accommodations
0: so the second thing about this flight jerry's flying by himself he also has no paperwork with him whatsoever how does he know where to go if he doesn't meet roy on the flight does he make it to camp
2: how do you know that he doesn't have paperwork shoved in his carry-on somewhere it is never shown he <laughs> it never, never references up, it but... once
0: he just he exits the airport and there's a gathering of fat kids. He's like, Yes, that is where I need well, to be. And that's the it other the thing 90s, is that you didn't
1: need paperwork.
2: You're in the plane and Roy shows up and just assumes, Hey, you're going to fat camp.
1: To be fair, <laughs> of course. that was Oh. I love
0: that conversation. That is classic Kenan Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Kenan Thompson
1: has great, like, there's a reason why he's he's still around doing comedic stuff mm-hmm. and why he's one of the longest running members of SNL is because his timing is dead on.
0: But yeah, so he meets Roy. There's a gathering of fat kids because apparently they have all arrived at the same time, even though this is a super busy airport. They board the bus which is apparently full of the only kids you will ever see at camp.
1: Yeah, they never talk about any of the other cabins. It's yeah, it's, it's just yeah, Chipmunk it's Cabin. It's
0: just this one. We see other kids one time uh, which is during the the big event at the beginning where the owners of the camp announce their bankruptcy to a sea of children.
1: And and you really only see two counselors.
0: Yes, and uh, and, and a the nurse. nurse. And right, which I want to talk about her. First thing, she was one of my crushes as a kid. And, like, it, it, those feelings came back a little bit. Uh, so this was is she, her name. Is still
1: pretty to you? What she is, is very
0: pretty. Her name is Leah Lale, uh oh, playing yes. Nurse Julie. Uh, and, yeah, still very crushable. Uh, especially the way that Pat reacts to her. Because there's, there's another moment in this film where I also had another crush, uh, but it was, it was the film giving a girl a good treatment as opposed to her doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so just the way people are reacting to Nurse Julie drew me in as a kid. I,
1: I did like the, the scene when we first meet her and she's like, do you know where the infirmary is? And he's just like, nope. But as someone who worked at a summer camp for a long time i worked for, for 5 years at summer camp there is not enough people working at the camp you mainly no. really just see those 3 there is no camp director I, you
0: see you see lunch ladies at one point you do see oh, lunch yeah. ladies also tony perkis brings in a bunch yes. of people so all those bodybuilder guys we assume yeah. are counselors but we see them all of one time
1: and and he works acts as like a we camp see them director a programmer times. but until he shows up there isn't really a camp director Someone right. like coordinating everything. How are they doing anything?
0: I assumed it was the old people. Uh, ben Stiller's <laughs> parents. The old people.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, maybe. But they acted like they only showed up like once a summer, gave them something fancy mm-hmm. and left.
0: Yeah. But now they show up once a summer. They announce bankruptcy to everybody running the camp for the first time in front of the clients. Uh, and they've just hired a nurse. How did they put on the payroll another position if they're going bankrupt?
1: Well, I think maybe, maybe in a camp that size, you have to have a nurse legally.
2: Well, Possibly. Yes. But you would think that if they were giving it to a new owner, he would have been the one to pick someone.
1: Well, Ben Stiller probably would have kept her anyway.
0: And here's if another thing that, that bothered Ross. me. So... All the parents assigned permission slips gave rights away to their children for these people to watch them for a very specific program that those people set up. Now, those people go bankrupt. Another person buys the program and drastically changes it without the parents being aware of it because the kids find out about it like the first week of camp. So... How legal is this? Is Tony Perkis kind of kidnapping these children? Does he really care? (laughs) He doesn't. I do.
1: Within the universe, it must be legal. Because remember, when they're trying to get rid of him, they go through... A bunch of legal channels, and they're like, well, we can't do anything at the moment.
0: But also, in the reality of this movie, we're going through the legal knowledge of a couple of camp counselors.
1: No, they talk about that they've talked to friends who are lawyers. She has
0: friends who are... She had friends in Child Protective Services.
1: Someone had a friend who was a lawyer.
0: Okay. Okay. I
1: I don't remember if it was Pat or the guy from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but... (laughs) That is the only thing I could think of with The Skinny Counselor is he plays the chemistry teacher in Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV show.
0: Well, uh, his name is Paul Feig, uh, and people may be aware of him as the director of Bridesmaids.
1: And a bunch of other, like, those sort of comedies. But no, I knew him as an actor from Sabrina the Teenage Witch.
0: Okay. Because, yeah, I saw his name in the cast list and, like... It surprised me, because now he's a fairly well-known comedy director, uh, particularly well-known for directing women in comedy in, you know, big productions.
1: I didn't know that. I've never seen Bridesmaids. I'm not really good at knowing director names. I'm not good at knowing names in general, but no, he... Oh, who did he play in? He was Mr. Poole in in the Mr.
2: (laughs)
0: Poole?
1: Yeah, he was Did a chemistry teacher. Did he own a teacher. pool?
0: This is no, very he was, important. he was a teacher, she said. <laughs> he was okay. the
1: chemistry teacher.
0: Teachers can own pools too, Mark. Sorry. Anyway, back to the movie. They, they announce bankruptcy. Ben Stiller comes in, changes everything. Uh, a particular note that I definitely miss at a child and caught this time is during his speech, he's telling people about his history and mentions this is the first time in his life he is ever interacting with children. Because yep. he has spent his life being taught by private tutors, and it definitely shows that he doesn't know what's going on with kids.
1: I I put down in one of my notes that he is like the golem of this movie. Cause he talks about he was overweight as a child, he talks about he he didn't interact with children, he talks about he never got hugged. He is like what these children could become if things yeah. went really bad for them.
2: He's supposed to be like the evil villain guy of the movie, he but it's more really like he has bad. a sad life story yeah, that led to that. That is
0: what I love about Ben Stiller's villains, is that they are pure evil. You definitely want to hate them, but he also incorporates like a tragic past to also make yeah. you feel sorry for this character. And it's something that Ben Stiller does particularly well, and I love him in these roles.
1: This character was less evil and more severely mentally ill. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Because, like,
1: the whole thing on the hike where he, like, goes nuts and is, like, hanging off the tree branch. Yeah, he
0: jumps off a cliff to pull himself up onto a tree branch.
1: Like, that's not the work of an evil person. (laughs) That's the work of someone who is having a severe mental breakdown.
0: Which definitely shows, because when he's about to break bad and go off the rails, he starts, like, having intimate conversations with himself.
2: Mm -hmm. Hey hey Carl, Yes. is it possible to do sit-ups blindfolded?
0: Oh, I believe it's called an atomic sit-up, Mark, and I'm not (laughs) sure we'd have to try it. You go first.
1: I'm kind of uncomfortable with the fact that this was a time in our history where Ben Stiller had, like, a real ripped body.
0: Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. He was the heartthrob of this film
1: it although except for the hair the i, I put put that Bensler's yeah. hair deserved its own credit cuz it was <laughs> it was so
2: there yes you were not uh, into the german guy in his short oh, shorts oh lars, lars is no, his I name no i love lars and he is my favorite lars. character
0: in this film yes
1: whoever that guy was he was acting his heart out
0: Oh, though, he is the lifeguard in one of the worst jo- lifeguarding jobs in movie history. Uh, he calls it the buddy system. The basic idea <laughs> is each system? child... Yes, the body, the body system. system. Body system. Uh, so the idea is each child has a friend, his quote-unquote body. Uh, and so <laughs> Lars will shout, body! And each kid will raise their hand with their friend and yell, body! But if you lose two kids, this system doesn't work.
1: I do admit that Made me laugh really loud. Where Lars is just constantly yelling, body and whistling.
0: Most camps,
2: though, yeah. At least it was when I was growing up. But if
0: two kids wander off, you've lost track of them. Which is not the first time that these kids have been unsupervised.
2: Besides the fact that as a lifeguard, he is. Tossing children into the water <laughs> when they're true. not
0: looking. <laughs> I only Goldberg is safe because he's sitting on the edge of the thing and Lars never touches him.
1: <laughs> it was a good scene. Yeah. It was
0: Goldberg funny. or Josh, as he's called in this film, is kinda like the godfather. Nobody really messes with him. He doesn't do much, but he's super Tony cool. Tony Perkis does.
1: Well, but he comes back because his father is a lawyer.
0: (laughs) I totally thought he died in this film. Because the way the film treats him is it freeze frames on his face and then fades to white as if he's Uh transitioning to heaven.
1: Well, they do the whole thing where, where all of the people are saying rumors of where he went. And it's even got like the lunch guy who's like got the cigarette and is like. Yeah, he's probably dead.
0: <laughs> oh, but when he comes back, it's the best. Because it's like this whole one flew over the cuckoo's nest lobotomy scheme he is going. Oh, that scene was great. But I timed it, and he is gone for 10 minutes. As a kid, it seemed like he was gone for half the film. It's true. Uh, though I think 10 minutes equates to one eighth of the entire film uh, for the <laughs> runtime. But the only thing he misses is the terrible, terrible dance scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know why you're groaning. This is really awkward to watch.
2: Now, it, to be fair, it's kind of similar to what dances were were like at that age at my school. So it's real, it's true and to life. At least at
1: school you do know people of the other That's true. Like,
0: I, I, where did the girls come from? Because apparently there are no girls at the fat camp. So there's a girls camp and there's a sports camp on this lake. That's the other I thing I don't... I had camp growing None up. Of these Sarah camps worked were at a camp. Gender. I worked at a camp.
2: We never had like a group Rival of camp. camps all close to each other that no. had rivalries. So I don't understand how that. And this is not the only movie that does that with no. camps. Yes, so there I was don't no know camp across the
1: lake. I mean, I've heard of maybe like where where they did uh, single gender camps and they had like a sister or brother camp nearby, but it was technically the same part. like company.
0: Mm. I, I had
1: it my middle school camp. It had it was one camp, but it had different like campuses for the age groups mm. in different sections. But it wasn't like completely separate camps that are just across the lake because camps are big; they take up but quite it, a bit. It's of It's land. definitely a
0: trope of this era of movies where you have a mm-hmm. main team that the audience. It equates to, and then you have this other rival team whose sole purpose is to be the villains of the movie.
2: A lot of times what happens is the evil villain, well, except for Ben Stiller being the villain, but in both cases, Ben Stiller and the rival camp, it's all like the jock kids who are really in shape and good at all the sports and then against the fat kids who are supposed to be bad at everything.
0: I want to go back to this dance scene because this is where uh, the other crush comes into play. Is it mm-hmm. the girl
1: with the heavenly glow?
0: It is because the film gives her such a nice treatment.
2: Yeah. It's the, they make you th- feel that way about her.
0: For people who haven't seen this in a while, they're at the dance boys on one side, girls on another and one girl decides to cross the threshold and go talk to the boys. And as she is approaching, like Sarah said, she is given a heavenly glow. Uh, She is actually... Her role in this movie, her credit is angelic girl, uh, but it turns out all she wanted to know is where the bathroom was, which somehow the women's bathroom was
2: behind the boys' side of the dance floor. Yeah, it was a little strange.
1: <laughs> well, do they even have a real women's bathroom? It's a boys' camp.
0: Mm, that's a good point. Do they hold I think it they at were just... the camp? Yeah, they're they at do. Was it a neutral location? Camp. So yeah, they were just designate one of the boys' bathrooms as a girls' bathroom for that night. Gross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the girl, if you choose to look her up, uh, her name is Lauren Hill. I just want to put that in there. I a think different she Lauren currently Hale. works as uh, a model. Mm-hmm. Different Lauren Hill. I'm pretty Hale, sure not sure I one did
1: from... look
2: her up when I watched I this. No idea. <laughs> but I forgot all that the already
1: singer? no <laughs> okay uh my big point about the dance is i love the little kid in the the one kid that's in the lamest t-shirt and wearing a beret he is, yes he is our oh, our people he's he so cool they they established him as the theater nerd right then <laughs> just that outfit
0: oh i i did really enjoy him another note i had on this dance though So these kids signed up for a summer camp where they would sleep away. They were not expecting a dance to happen because Tony basically does it to embarrass them. I don't know. Well, that's why did they pack dress clothes? It's
1: weird, but there are other ones where this happens where they just where the camps are near each other and they have a dance thing. Because I remember. You guys wouldn't because you didn't read these books probably, but like the Babysitter's Club, their summer camp one, (laughs) they had a dance where they got together and, and some other things like that. I'm like, I don't know why that's a thing either.
2: I have also never been to a camp that lasted the entire summer. Anytime we, I had summer camp, it was like a week. Yeah, yeah my camps, camps always lasted too.
0: like a week. And for the ones that I did, it wasn't even a sleepaway camp. That wasn't even available. You got to spend the night, one night, and it was Thursday to Friday.
1: Oh, mine were all sleepaway camps.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, my other thing is, when the girls finally go over, one of them says, I guess I can kind, I can stand this song. The song is Love Machine. Why of the songs, is that the one they're like, no, this one's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this one's fine. I like to think of myself Uh, as a love machine. I like to love.
1: Like, I just thought, of all the songs, you have a bunch of, like, actual, like, songs, 90s kids will listen to, and then love machine, and they're like, no, this one's okay.
0: Well, is it the same song that Paul Feig hears is like, yup, gotta save the dance now.
1: Dance, Dance master.
0: But immediately following this dance is i think the highlight the shining light of this film uh where gerald gardner is sitting in uh what is it a go-kart with no engine and pat comes up and he pat (laughs) uses all of his might to push him around the track as he steers the go-kart for the first time it's also i think the first time that julie looks over to him is like oh that's really i think she
2: was already interested in him before that
0: though she was. She was interested from the beginning, but their entire relationship is conveyed through a series of looks. And
1: I think the the reason why that one's important, because it's, he doesn't know what's happening, because before he's very guarded, because he knows she's doing this, mm-hmm. and, and this is where she can kind of look and see him doing something without him, like, holding back, because he's like, I gotta be cool. And this has the whole thing where Jerry's like, I really wanted the go-kart, because... I wanted to be fast, and and it's this, it's a very sweet moment.
0: Yeah, I think the line is like, "I'm always the slowest kid. Just once, I wanted to go fast." Uh, there's also good kid writing here because he's never driven a go kart before, but he is convinced that he'd be good at it. Oh yeah, and that is such a little kid mentality. This is
1: one of the scenes that really works for me in showcasing that that Pat is kind of a future version of Jerry. That this is kind of... They, they're kind of very similar people. Because in some of the other scenes... It doesn't quite work as well. Because Jerry says things where I'm like... Oh, Jerry! Stop it!
0: Yeah. Yeah, where he decides to revolt on Tony... By use of force. <laughs> which yeah. eventually they do. Uh, back to your atomic sit-up gag. Uh, <laughs> so he chases Goldberg down the mountain. Goldberg pulls a muscle. As Tony's approaching him... He falls in a hole... Now, the film doesn't quite explain if the kids planned this to happen. I think Or whether did. this is a deus ex machina.
2: They got together in a little huddle while he was going crazy. Yeah,
1: but they never, pre-Branch. like, how did we build, how did they get the hole?
2: It was there. They, they the hole was there. They did pass it. Now, on, why on the hole was hike.
0: there, whether it's, like, mining country, yeah. that they just appropriated into a camp, is a completely other story. <laughs> because... They also, when they they take Tony captive, they have him in, like, some sort of broken-down barn structure that I don't think quite fits a summer camp. Is it the
2: same barn where they had the dance? Because that was in a barn Uh, of some kind. The dance
0: was in, like, a lunchroom. I think that was in the uh, the mess hall. The
1: whole mountain hike scene is very weird to me because it's very terrifying, and yet everything is done, treated like it's a comedy, and yet... It should be terrifying.
0: Yes. So a a grown man who is out of his mind is taking a group of, say, 12 kids with no other supervision on a 20-mile hike to the top of a mountain with (laughs) no food, and when they get to the top of the mountain, he decides to extend the hike indefinitely.
2: I want to hear Sarah's take on his Icarus story.
1: (laughs) That is incorrect. (laughs) That is two different myths he is combining together
2: yes
0: completely agreed can you relay the icarus story for people who haven't watched the film
1: (laughs) he's like have you heard the story of icarus icarus was this guy who rolled a giant rock up a hill and when he got it up to the top of the hill it got too close to the sun and melted and you guys are icarus and i'm like that's that's not right (laughs)
0: no
2: no it is not of course now the story comes about because they are walking up a hill at the time and some of them (laughs) do fall over and roll back down
1: but literally this is a a man with severe mental health issues having a breakdown and kidnapping basically these children and the and basically they're just like oh but we We're upset because we don't want to do this and we're tired. Not because a grown man having a psychotic break is kidnapping you. That's the part you should be worried about. Not that you don't like walking.
0: He is trying to torture them into losing weight. But I don't
2: think that's how he views it. In his mind, it's you guys need to get healthy. I'm trying to help you and you keep cheating on purpose.
0: So, I know a little bit about this. Now, granted, it was in a movie where Ben Stiller was playing himself. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but the movie is called Don't Think Twice, and he gets asked about playing villains in movies, and in his mind, the way Ben Stiller always saw the characters, is the characters themselves never see themselves as villains. They are always in the right.
1: And, and really, if he's this, this person who has been traumatized and neglected and is having these kind of breakdowns, he probably has no conscious idea that he's doing anything wrong to him he's like no i want them to be my friends and i want them to do what what i'm doing because what i'm doing has made me skinny and happier in some way and so we're we're gonna do it and why don't they want to do it with me and they got to do it with me but yet they're still like do you think he
2: has had that breakdown before because he says that this is the first time he's had children or he's been with other children and he's trying to help them along their path to get skinnier, and now they're cheating on purpose just because they hate him, and they're purposely gaining weight, and that's what makes him freak out. So do you think he ever has done that before, or this is the first time he's experienced going crazy?
0: I think he's definitely freaked out before, and I want to say that came from his childhood. I think he freaked out as a kid, and that's what helped him get skinny.
1: Yeah, like, and, and maybe not as bad, because probably the Germans want to do the Germans. Lars was the only German.
0: The Germans. Why is
2: the bad guy always have a German accent in these kids' movies? Uh, I don't
1: know. Because I of said, World War Two. I, I said, I, why well, does yes, Ben Stiller but... do a lot of movies where people have German accents? Because again, Dodgeball, the Germans. Oh God,
0: you're right. Right? Uh, it really is Dodgeball. <laughs> but Mark, I want to talk about their cheating because it comes about in another Deus Ex Machina. So they have a plan which is brilliant, uh, where they they know there's junk food because they brought it all, but it got stolen. So they're going to break into Tony's apartment on campus and find where he's hiding the junk food. Now, this is flawed on several reasons. Number one, you can throw away junk food. There's <laughs> no reason for him to store it. Uh, second of all, they have no supervision whatsoever. Their head counselor is now Lars. Lars has just given them free reign of the camp where they can just break into uh, the cabin of the the head counselor and with no repercussions whatsoever.
2: And after that scene is when they start stashing candy away and cheating on the weight loss. Where does all that come from? That,
0: That is exactly my point. So they break in there. They find no food whatsoever. They get out and another kid has found food and just tells them about it. So while the heist is fun and it has a great tree sequence at the end that I still genuinely <laughs> enjoy, it's completely pointless.
1: They find the black market.
0: Yeah, which is a tree stump in the woods. So this tree sequence, for those who haven't seen it, yes, Sarah is holding a dog and distracting me right now. <laughs> um, when, they're, when they're leaving camp, uh, Tony, or not camp, they're leaving the apartment that they broke into. Tony is coming back. Uh, there is this huge tension that tony is going to catch them tony almost does because they all get out of the window they race to trees that are in the distance and they all barely get behind one tree each uh, before tony sticks his head out and sees nothing except for trees but this is uh one of three deus ex machinas which are just film writing 101 you don't do this in a movie you let your characters determine the plot you don't just let the plot happen without character involvement because they find the junk food presumably tony falls in a hole through no work of their own and then at the very end where tony meets the parents uh the way that they get rid of him is he backflips into a wall accidentally through (laughs) only his own power
2: yeah well i think that's a good point though that the kids didn't have to fight back he ended up doing it to himself because of his own craziness
1: my big question is why was nicholas small british kid mm-hmm. so distracted by that fake chocolate kiss
2: because he hadn't had well it's not true no because this been was cheating. after
1: this was after they had gotten their food back
0: true oh and, and i do want to talk about orgy. nicholas because this is a british child and an american suburb cab it's like how far did he have camp? to fly it I is- thought I said Summer.
1: <laughs> it was like The Parent Trap. <laughs> yeah. That's the
0: movie I was trying to think of. That's a, another camp movie with a dance. Yes. When you were talking about that earlier.
1: And also, one with a, a British child for no apparent reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's so I get why his parents aren't there, because presumably they're across the ocean at this point. But yeah, I don't know why he was so enthralled with this fake Hershey's kiss that allows Ben Stiller to get out.
1: Because it would have made sense if it was before... hmm they got their food back, but it was after the food orgy because I'm like, yeah, they're they're being healthier stuff and they've had the whole – Pat's had his whole monologue about self-respect and doing it for themselves and, and stuff like that. But I'm sure they have – can still have a recommended amount of sweets. I'm sure they now can have like – Eat healthy, but have like one dessert or something. And so, I thought shouldn't it be was like
2: interesting that they were all nuts. talking about like, like they wanted steak and meat and what, and maybe I don't know what nutrition was like at the time that this movie came out, but a lot of health foods now talk about lean meats and protein. <laughs> so, I'm not sure why it was a bad thing for
0: them to have meat at camp, but well, I think they wanted the fatty red meat. Uh, Josh, in particular, when he comes back, talks about how the first place he went was the Sizzler. Because apparently they paid a lot of money. And to he be shut them down, too. Yes, of course. Cause it was all <laughs> they could eat.
1: Does Sizzler still exist?
0: I don't think so. I haven't seen one in years. Oh, though. Okay. I have a few more notes. Are you about to hold up a dog, Mark? Because I swear <laughs> to God. If um, I had one, I would. <laughs> uh so i want to talk about them capturing it still exists (laughs) it's on the google i
1: I just but they're all in like california and oregon
0: so when they capture tony there's a particular moment that i enjoyed and you have to look for it because it's not completely obvious Uh, So Jerry goes back to the three counselors that he can trust, tells them that they came up with their own plan, and Nurse Julie thinks, well, that's really cute. And then he leads them to the barn where they they are holding Tony captive. The two male counselors are against this because it's clearly illegal. Nurse Julie is on board moment one. Mm. She needs no convincing whatsoever. She's just like, this is fantastic. I thought
2: Pat was the only one against it. I don't remember um, it, but
0: I remember Paul Feig being against it. He says something, but yeah, he says Paul something goes about it
2: being Paul. illegal. But I don't know if he was against it
0: necessarily. Yes. Yeah, so Pat goes in and tries to break him out, but Tony is a jerk for no reason to the one man who could save him, and so he just leaves him in I, there.
1: I also loved how they they dealt with Lars with the tied to the tree <laughs> oh. honey scene.
2: Oh, it's it's so brilliant, good. but it's
0: not well thought through. They yes. just tie all the counselors to trees and leave them there for what purpose?
1: Just so you can have the scene where he's real scared of the, the little deer. The, so
2: then, long. So something that I would not have caught as a child maybe so much is when they come back to him and they're talking about uh, are you going to be with us or are you against us? Because something about deportation and that yeah. was when he suddenly okay. decided he was going to be yeah, he's their like, friend. if you
1: don't have a job, you'll get deported. I will divorced. be with you. And he, he's, he's part of the food orgy. Lars is part of the yes. food orgy. He's part of the
0: food orgy, he's part of the Apache Relay. Uh another person who is a part of the Apache relay is Kenny the cameraman.
1: K- yeah, who, Kenny the who Cameraman. Stift
0: six hundred dollars, helps them make a tape for Parents' Day that shows how terrible the camp has been, and then just decides to stay there.
1: Yep. He got he got paid. He's like, yeah, you people are fine. He you did, but
0: after he got paid, why wouldn't he just leave?
1: <laughs> he has no stake
0: in this camp. <laughs> uh, but this cameraman is played by Alan Covert, who you may know as the lead actor in Grandma's Boy. That and true. And also a bunch of credits from Adam Sandler films.
1: That is also true. But Lars is like... Real loyal and, like, takes on the personality of whoever he is following. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. like, great. As as soon as he, like, shifts loyalties, he's like, I'm going to do whatever you guys want. I'm
2: great. And so he's German, right? But why... Has he never seen a deer in his life?
1: That seems weird because I'm sure there are lots of deers in Germany. They got a lot of forest.
0: Now, he does have a German accent, but we don't know he's from Germany. His line is, uh, I think... Very far away. Yes. Is where he yeah, is from. Yeah,
2: that's yes, true. Yes, that but true. still, has he never seen a deer in his life? <laughs> uh, because I, I think he's they, seen they, a deer. And then for some reason, they had to rip his shirt open too when they were pouring honey on well, him. Well, it was
0: to pour honey on him <laughs> instead of sugar,
2: I guess. But then they're like, "Oh, well, you know, bears like honey." And as they walk away, you hear this really high pitched scream. So they all get scared and run back, and there's a deer standing there. Oh, Why? That's...
0: <laughs> it's pretty funny, I love lies.
2: I do. I it love was one of probably one of the funniest scenes actually for me but I don't understand why he's so frightened of a deer necessarily. Oh
0: <sighs> yeah it's it is tough to say. I think he's uh it's played for laughs because he's been so tough up till now and now you just see him being a fraidy cat. It's a nice catharsis for the character. Okay so after the bonfire which I think is just before parents day is where, like, the morality of the film comes in. It's where Pat makes the speech. They all decide to stand up for themselves. And, like, for me, this was a really empowering message for kids, where you just need to take a little bit of self-control, a little bit of responsibility. You could still have fun, but just try to be not so indulgent. So
2: about it's it. a good message. It's interesting to me because at the beginning, you see all these kids show up at camp who have been there before, Mm -hmm. and they have their hiding places for their stash of junk food that they brought with them. My assumption would be this is not the first time they have done this giant food party, because they're used to having all kinds of junk food, so why would this suddenly be the turning point?
1: Well, I think the food stash is, since it was for the whole summer, they they spread that food stash out through the summer. This was like... We're going to eat it all right now.
0: Right. We've been so deprived for food over the past couple of weeks. We are going to have one massive party with all the food you can imagine. And I
1: think it. the other thing he really talks about is we can't really determine how the other people see us, but we can we can change how we see ourselves. And I think because they talk about, yeah, we we like hanging out with each other, but when they talk about like – the camp across the lake we talk about well there's no way we beat them they're always going to beat us they're always going to be better and at the end after this whole thing they're like no we think we could actually win for the first mm-hmm. time and it right. wasn't even the fact that they do win at the end it was the fact that they believe at the start of the race that they have a chance yeah. they're not so going in thinking they're going to lose are
2: we moving into the apache relay now
0: just before we do <laughs> I have a couple of notes on parents day one another great moment in the film for me was that uh, parents come in Jeffrey Tambor sees his son again and immediately complains that well he hasn't lost a single pound he's as big <laughs> as he ever was but after punching Tony Perkis in the face he looks his son dead in the eyes and says I'm proud of you son because his son stood up for himself
1: And and I think there's a good thing about the fact that Jerry when his dad does say that about you haven't lost any weight he says but I feel good Right, and he's really proud of that. Yeah, he's proud of that. It's about and he's like, him
0: accepting himself yeah. and not looking for his father's approval. That Parents Day
2: scene was maybe the one or two scenes that I actually laughed at. Okay. Was when Ben Stiller shows up, does a backflip off of the second floor and lands, and then he just kind of stops and goes, "Ow." so it's like because you see those in the crazy movies where people jump down from three floors above and don't even hurt Mm -hmm. themselves so it's nice to see them actually be kind of realistic about it
1: i just like the the uh jeffrey tambor just being like when he's like going crazy and jeffrey tambor's like no and just like straight up punches him
0: like we're done It's fantastic. Uh, The thing I love here is after he gets knocked out, Ben Stiller plays another role as his own Mm -hmm. father. Yes. Which makes a crazy fan theory that I came up with that Tony Perkis is a clone of his father. (laughs) And that's why he is so insane. Something like a carbon copy not having every part of the original.
1: It also makes the whole casting of this movie real insane in the fact that Ben Stiller plays a character Plays that character's father, Ben Stiller's father, plays the previous owner of the camp that Ben Stiller now owns.
0: Yeah, and his mother. Both yes. of his parents are the owners.
1: Which isn't as weird because, like, they're in like I think all of his movies. Like they just show up
0: in, in some form of another. Yes, they, he keeps hiring his own family.
1: I mean, th- they were comedians and actors beforehand, and they're like, eh, we're not doing as much anymore. We'll just show up in your movies to be supportive." Good good job, son.
0: Another fan theory I came up with is that I think Tony is out of money. I think he's incredibly poor because there is the phone conversation he has where he needs to sell 50,000 copies of this infomercial pre-sale or else his ass is wheatgrass. Uh, he, he can't pay back Josh's family, which is why Josh comes back to camp. And he can't even afford to pay Kenny the cameraman $600 for filming the infomercial for him. I think he wasted all of his money on this camp, and this is his last-ditch effort to impress his dad.
1: Yeah, I think either it's wasted all on the camp, or he's put all of it into the infomercial, assuming it's going to work out, Mm -hmm. into these tapes.
0: Yeah, is his plan, sell the infomercial get people excited, and just run this camp every year? I thought his whole point was to make the video.
2: Yeah, he didn't care so much about the camp. Yeah, I thought it was was doing like an exercise
1: video system thing at the same time.
2: Yeah, he didn't really care about the camp so much. It was more to prove that he could make people lose weight and get famous about it.
1: Yeah, I think he was doing some other thing, and I think he did put a lot of money up front into that, and he's like, if this doesn't go through, I'm not going to get that money back.
0: Well, his system for losing weight is starvation and torture. (laughs) That's true. Works every time.
1: (laughs) It will work, but you will possibly lose your mind in the process.
0: (laughs) You will be
1: skinny, but you will need some help afterwards.
0: Oh, goodness. All right. So, Apache Relay, let's finish this thing off. So, uh, we start out with uh, looking at each one of the teams. It's another racist Indian thing, which we don't get into because we covered that well enough <laughs> in Man of the House. Well, but because the only
1: thing really Indian about it was the, the, the They're dressed
0: thing. in traditional Indian garb. It made me question how many headdresses is too many headdresses because they uh, have a group of maybe 20 kids and maybe eight of them are wearing headdresses. But, I mean, by that standard, it's also racist for the grease because the... Um, the other team is dressed like traditional athletes from Athens or something. My
1: my thing is they talk that the other team had always won and always yes. won by like seeming like by a large margin, but they're real dumb.
2: Yes, yeah, that's what like, I don't real, understand. Real, real stupid. If it was like a race, race that was just running, because it's not just athletic. Of it's, course, they would be. But there's a lot of intellectual it's stuff in the middle athletics. of the race.
0: I, well, okay. Maybe they have this uh, hall of information, or whatever it's called, as a part of the relay. Because you're right. Uh, they're winning on all the physical challenges the first part of the race. Then they get into the hall of mystery, or whatever you want to call it. And that's where they get stuck and allow... Uh, yes. What is it? The Camp Hope to catch up to them. I have another fan theory on this. <laughs> oh, do uh, Because only... <laughs> Only the counselors of Camp Hope are running that Hall of Information. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have Kenny the Cameraman dressed up as Albert Einstein. You have Lars dressed up as Andy Warhol. And you have Nurse Julie dressed up as the Statue of Liberty. Starting with that first challenge. um, So it's a, a math problem. We have to solve for X. That is the challenge. So it is some complicated formula. Followed by an equal sign. Followed by a question mark. Which means this problem is impossible.
2: (laughs) That is also true.
0: This equation is insolvable. But apparently both students get past it. I think the guy is cheating and just letting them pass when they've been there a requisite amount of time.
2: So, uh this has nothing to do with what you just said sure <laughs> uh if if you so it seems like many of these children have been to the camp multiple summers if i don't remember what the name of the sports camp is but if that camp camp mvp oh that's right so if the mvps have won this race multiple times in a row and mo- most of the kids have been there m- multiple summers why wouldn't you just send the same smart kid into the hall of whatever and have have them do the, the it's
0: smart people? Possible they people don't questions. have one because everyone they show is like a super jock and a. But super they had jerk. to have done it before because they won every year. This may be a new entry. I don't know how many years they've done this thing before. Also, a lot of the artwork they showed
2: was really obscure.
0: Just saying. yes, <laughs> so... which is they choose Nicholas, the uh, the one British guy. And because and I think everything. they trained him to know what artwork was going to be there. But Sarah, I cut you off. What were you saying?
1: Well, I'm, the thing is, is I don't think they changed the format. Because in the end, when the other camp director complains, you think that would have been the first thing he complained about? Is well, you made it unfair. You changed the thing up when he goes on his little thing for. No apparent reason because he's never really like he shows up twice, and the fact that he goes, he's just nuts...
2: proving that the jock side of things is sore losers, <laughs> right?
1: But, but if it's always been this thing, there's really only one of those things that they show that is very sports oriented, and that's the football. Because even with the go kart, they have go karts,
0: they do have you right, know. right. You don't need, like, race stamina or, or something
1: to do the go-karts.
0: I think the Apache Relay is in three distinct sections. The first is physical challenge. The next is the mental challenge. And the third part, I think they call the Grand Prix. So there's a bunch of physical challenge, which they excel at. Which, like, they have the uh, the sack bag race. They have throw football through a thing. They have climb this wall. And oh, right. I forgot to climb the wall. Yeah, so, I mean, Where they're going like to excel at that part.
1: But it's think... weird that they would have been like so far ahead every year that like the kids are are so well, down. Like And they did they're say they're that so the one kid drives dumb. the go
2: kart every year and never loses. True.
0: True. So He also cheats. But then again, Camp Hope cheats there Do, as well. That
2: that was my parents would have freaked out if I drove a go kart through a course like that at that age. Oh, <laughs> also, yeah, for because. Because... that wouldn't
1: have worked. He would have landed on top of the old other go kart. They were both dead. End of movie.
2: There's no yes. way the one would fly over the other
0: one from where they were on the track. It would have been a crash.
1: Saying. Lots of blood. End of movie.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned the obscure paintings, which I think they they trained this British kid to know what paintings would be there. The third challenge, I don't think I could even do, because you have to name five American vice presidents.
1: I might mm-hmm. be able to.
2: And then right. the, best, the best part about that was the British kid Quail. knew them. Quail. And, share? and he says, you Americans have no sense of history. So, yeah. <laughs> which is it's, true? It's mostly true, but it's, it's just funny that they say that in American movie. Well,
1: the first, the first painting, it only gets obscure once you actually get where he goes through all the paintings. The mm-hmm. first one was the Mona Lisa, and he's like, "Share, well,
0: yeah, yeah." Well, yeah, he is super dumb. So anyway, they catch up in that Hall of Mystery, which I'm sure we're gonna get tweets telling us what the hell the name of this thing is, <laughs> uh, but the final race so camp hope is also cheating here reason being um so the the kids from camp mvp used to come into town and spray paint the camp they would do this by means of a speedboat in part of a montage we see that camp hope has stolen the speedboat motor during one of those nights and has installed this speedboat motor into their go kart. Which he engages just in time to get enough boost to win the race.
2: Which is true, although the, the go-karts didn't have motors in them until that point because Tony Perkis took all of them away and scrapped them when he showed up. So if they wouldn't have done that, they wouldn't have had a go-kart to race That's possible, but
0: it's not an equal playing field. Yes.
1: I take it back. I can totally do five U.S. Vice Presidents.
0: <laughs> Congratulations. Name I, them I, now. I, okay. Are you caught up on the conversation I now? It. I can
1: do it. Spiro Agnew, Quail, Two. Thomas Jefferson. Three. Um Aaron Burr. Yep. Um Joe what Biden. He? What? Which yeah. one?
0: Oh, uh sorry. I'm thinking Aaron Burr and Hamilton. He doesn't get the office. I'm sure he served another time.
2: Biden wouldn't have counted at the time of this movie. Don't
0: give me that face. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I got lost. Where were we? Did
0: I say whales? Yeah, you already have five. <laughs> you did. Okay. You got five. Yeah. Congratulations, you've done it. You may advance to the grand prix. Thank you. Uh, Where you will cheat again. So anyway, they cheat oh, at the race. Also, Lyndon B. Johnson. Camp Hope wins the games. They awarded this giant trophy. Uh, at Camp MVP protest, and so Pat just throws the trophy in the lake. And then makes out who with his gives girl. gives a damn? Yeah, it's the first time we see them no, he kiss gives as well.
1: It to, the, to tall guy. Oh,
0: yeah, giant scary guy. The beginning of camp for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy
1: that they're like, "You're the fattest guy in camp," and I'm like, "Yeah, he's also like a foot and a half taller than <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. everyone else in this camp." He's and like the best part older. is when they
2: tell him he's the heaviest. Everybody cheers for him.
1: But he's like, he's like a two feet taller. He has yeah. a, like a full mustache. Yeah.
0: But the favorite thing here, which, again, you'll miss it if you're not lucky for it. Um, So when they celebrate, they dump a cooler on the children, like you would at a football game. However, this cooler is full of soda cans. Mm -hmm. I did see that. Again,
2: (laughs)
1: everyone dead. Blood everywhere.
0: Yeah, kind of.
1: Everyone has a concussion.
0: Hooray! All right, well, that is the movie Heavyweights in Long Form. All right, let's go on to games. Our first game is called the Pitch Game. Uh, so it'll be if you're pitching this movie to a Hollywood producer or you're trying to explain it to someone who's never seen it before, where you say, you describe it in terms of two other properties saying this meets this, and they can be properties that came before it or after, we don't really care. So, guys, in your mind, what is Heavyweights?
1: Well, I will give one. Well, obviously.
0: Wait, wait, this wait. Hold on. Super... How many of us used dodgeball?
1: I did. So,
0: Mark, <laughs> Obviously, since did you use dodgeball? All three. All all right, three. Right. I did. Perfect. Let's re- do those first. I referenced first. it
1: so many times. Good. I had to have used all it. All right. Um, dodgeball meets salute your shorts.
0: Nicely done. Mark, what do you got? I had dodgeball meets Ernest goes to camp. Alright, mine is Dodgeball meets Meatballs. An hilarious crossover I'm calling Meet the Dodgeballs, starring <laughs> Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro. Alright, Sarah, yes. you got another one?
1: I was gonna do... Friday the 13th meets... Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, you don't even have one?
1: No, she, I was, I, I was gonna it. do Shallow She's... Howl, but then I remembered... No one watched that movie. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying watched Ernest oh. goes to
2: camp and I used that one. <laughs>
1: Friday the thirteenth because Creepy People in the Woods oh. and Shallow Howl because I was trying to think of Okay. Learning to Love.
2: Also great Friday the thirteenth took place at camp.
0: Yes. Uh so I had you you stole my punchline, but I'm going to do it anyway. So because this is a movie <laughs> with Ben Stiller making an infomercial product and a camp with poor lifeguarding practices, this is Envy meets Friday the 13th. And my final one you've also used, uh, I put Salute Your Shorts meets Misery.
1: No, I thought of a better oh, one. Oh, go, please. Instead of Shallow Hal. All right. Friday the 13th meets Wally because that, the end thing, is they have to get up and lose weight because they've
0: been lazy and they're fat in their chair. Yes, okay. I caught up there for a bit. All right. So next game we have here is alternate tagline. So the tagline of this movie, and it has a few. This is the official one, not yours? Yes, the official ones. So the first official one I have is, they don't run the fastest, they don't jump the highest, but they sure are getting the last laugh. The second one.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's one. not
0: great. Um, the second one only works if you've seen the movie poster, which is the four main campers. <laughs> uh there's Jerry, there's Roy, uh, there's Josh, and then a fourth one. I think it might be the British kid, and they are holding up this giant hot dog, and in the hot dog is Lars. It makes no sense in reference to the film, because it doesn't rely on anything that happens in the film but the the tagline they put in the movie poster is they've never met the hot dog they didn't like until now
1: Lars isn't even the
0: bad guy i know exactly i'm actually gonna go first here because mine relates to that movie poster uh so as a quick fix because the the movie poster and the tagline have nothing to do with the film I thought an easy fix was you still have the four kids, you still have Lars in the middle of a sandwich or like you put <laughs> um uh you put Tony Perkis in there, but you make it a sub sandwich and the tagline would be serving up a new kind of hero. Cuz then it's a sandwich pun and it references that this they have a non-traditional <laughs> body type for a hero.
1: But that's actually a Fun. good one. Thank you.
0: Movie companies, I not, am available.
1: We are not in the market for making good ones.
0: <laughs> All right. So give me a terrible one then.
1: Heavyweights, when you want to lose weight the hard way, call Ben Stiller. <laughs>
2: but but it was Perkis. <sighs>
1: I just – it would make more sense if, if this came out – maybe when they, they reissue it like they did for the anniversary of Space Jam and, and Space Jam came out again – when this comes out again, they could use that tagline, because then it'll be a callback to Dodgeball and a callback to the original Heavyweights.
0: Nicely done. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, Mark, you got one? Um, well, we
2: all three of us mentioned several times about the cheating going on, so it was Heavyweights, if you can't beat them, cheat them.
1: What did I say about ones that sound like real taglines? None of that. What? No,
0: they should hey. be real taglines. Hey. So they should just miss the point. All right, I do have another one. Uh, heavyweights, lake swimming, go-kart racing, casual imprisonment. It's gonna be the best <laughs> damn summer of their lives. That's still almost a real one. Although, since it was a Disney movie, they probably wouldn't have sworn it <laughs> a tagline. <laughs> probably true. Sarah, do you have any more? I don't. Alright, I have one more. Heavyweights, putting the feast in self-esteem.
1: Oh! Oh!
0: Right? Oh. Thank you. Taking a bow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's move on to our final game. which is the TV guide game, so it's giving a synopsis of the film that you might find in a TV guide or a Netflix, where it is technically accurate but totally misses the point. Guys, what do you have?
1: During a summer program, an, a damaged adult continues the cycle of abuse to the next generation.
0: Hmm... True. I I like it, but it's also very sad.
1: (laughs) It is. That movie's kind of sad when you think about it. It is
0: a little bit. All right. I
1: hope Tony got the help he needed.
0: Yeah, we hope so. He was wearing a shock blanket at the end, so there's hope.
1: Yeah, but his dad's like... Yeah. I never got any hugs and I'm fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, his dad really didn't care. No.
1: You mean Papa? But his dad
0: was also him, so... True. (laughs) All (laughs) right. (laughs) Which is another reason he might be a clone. Uh, Maybe he's got like 10 more that were just fine. Uh, Anyway, um, so... A young entrepreneur does his best to combat childhood obesity, only to discover that kids can be real dicks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes.
2: So, I'm glad that I didn't go with. I had originally tried to use entrepreneur in one of mine, mm-hmm. and I got rid of that idea and did a different one. Forceful fitness fanatic flummoxed by furious fatties.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Some alliteration going on there. I like it. Mm.
1: Jeez.
0: I have another one, too. All right. Let me. I got one more. And you can finish us out. Oh, okay. Sarah will start. So why don't we go Sarah, me, you then, and keep the order going?
1: Unhealthy children refuse to change their damaging lifestyles.
0: (laughs) All right, I've got a man in his thirties who finds it hard to talk to women, fosters a close relationship with an eleven-year-old boy.
1: And you thought mine you know, was sad. I
0: was going to talk
2: about that during uh, earlier in the in the episode here but I didn't. It's, it's strange to me that his own father is very anti him, but then there's the guy at the camp who's like his father figure throughout the movie, which is
0: I I think it's a close uh, a throwback to classic camp movies where you have a main kid ha- starting a friendship with the main counselor. Uh the one I can think of is Meatballs. Because Bill Murray partners with uh, the kid that wins something at the end. I think it's a movie trope kind of thing. Maybe. I don't know if
1: like, the dad is really anti him. I think maybe it's just the dad's had his own weight issues and he's trying to deal with it in his kid's kid before Nip it, it gets, like out the of bud. control. He just doesn't know how to deal with it well because he's Jeffrey Tambor.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right, Mark. Okay. You had one more. Go ahead. and So finish I had this one off. more muscle mogul miffed by malicious miners.
1: These are less TV guys and more just like <laughs> newspaper headlines from the. 20s. I know.
0: I like it. But I had fun with them. Yeah. No, I'm glad you're having fun. Do more of these. I love them.
1: I want to. He's a newsie now.
0: Extra, 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 real all about it. Extra. All right, let's move on to ratings. All right, first rating is the potato scale, where we tell people the emotional state of the movie in terms of potatoes. So, guys, what kind of movie was this for you?
1: I made up a new rating for this. Oh,
0: I love it. Go. Uh Uh-oh.
1: I made up The Potato Gun. Ooh. (laughs) And this is one that maybe I will be the only person who gets to use it. I made up the potato gun because I, I really enjoyed it. I liked watching it, mm-hmm. but it is very skewed towards m- the male audience. Yep. Like there's a lot of – uh, there's one female main character. There's a lot of jokes that are like teenage boy jokes and stuff like that. And so I liked it, but I was not the target demog- – even when I was that age, I was not the target demographic for the movie. It is kind of a boy movie.
0: I could definitely see that. Yeah. So
1: that's why I came up with the potato gun.
2: Very nice. All right. Mark, what do you got? I don't think I was the target demographic either. <laughs> when this came out, I was at the age range where everything had to be about being cool and I was too old and too cool to go watch little kid Disney movies. So I never uh, actually watched this growing up. I see. We did um, this come because out? you know ad- you know adults don't watch Disney movies, right? Because I never do, but it was ni- mid 90s, I think.
1: 95.
2: Yeah, so I, I was mean, that was. Seven. Yep. That was also the same year that Toy Story came out, and I purposely did not watch that one, even though now it might be one of my favorite Pixar movies.
0: Shocking <laughs> so, horror. This is,
2: what, this is what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So I was in the age where it was not cool to go see the little kid movies, so I didn't go see this one at the time. Uh, watching it now, it. it It had moments, but I don't think it was great overall, which goes with our rating of potato skins because it has just not enough there for me. I wanted to say tater tots at first because mostly for children, but I think... I actually watched it twice and I liked it a little bit better the second time around. <laughs> um and there were some moments that mean a little bit more to you as an adult than it would have as a kid. So I think I upgraded it to potato skins. Very nice.
0: For me, um this film had a lot of heartwarming moments, uh, particularly, you know, the the time where Pat is pushing Jerry around Uh, the go-kart race, and, like, Nurse Julie is looking on. Also, when the kids decide to stand up for themselves, that is very uh, heartwarming. Uh, You can definitely see them, you know, trying to be better or taking more self-respect. But I agree with both of your ratings uh, that, you know, there isn't a lot there for adults, and it is kind of boy-skewed, and in particular, uh, young boy-skewed. Uh, So my ratings are mashed potatoes and tater tots. This is definitely something for a younger generation, even though it has some homey and heartwarming moments to it.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't regret watching it again. Mm -hmm. I just don't. It's not one I'd watch again and again and again.
0: Right. True.
2: Unless you have like younger kids to watch it with. Yeah.
0: Possibly, so I think, <laughs> or have them. Watch I think it that might themselves. go along with uh, what we have written down for McDonald's fries, which are it's good once in a while, and maybe a yeah. decade in between viewing is what I would place that at for this movie. Anyway, if I had like that preteen about right. boy,
1: I don't know, children, cousins, something, there you go. I might be like, yeah, you guys watch this; it's kind of fun. But I do not.
0: Yes. Let's go on to our second scale which is a rewatchability scale. So, a scale from <laughs> 1 to 10, uh 1 being you never want to see this movie again, you hope it burns in hell for all of eternity. Oh. And 10, uh best movie ever, you would show this to your children and grandchildren. This movie should live on till eternity. Where would you put this rewatchability film?
1: I was trying to remember what I gave other things. Mhm. Because I think I'm being very
0: inconsistent on my numbers. It's fine. Some some diligent fan will record them for us, I'm sure.
1: Someday when we have this all up, I might go back and be like, hey guys, I'm going to reevaluate my numbers now that I have more data to work so with. So you
0: will retrograde your retrogradings?
1: Yes. <laughs> well, it's hard to be like, well, it was terrible. I gave it a five, but then I've been like, but this but now i have too many things in the sixes yeah
0: i think it's gonna average out since we all give it a rating
1: yeah i would give this maybe like a seven it wasn't the best right but i i wouldn't i think my worst is still like man of the house i guess was the one i really dislike
0: yeah i think i'm gonna rate it slightly higher i think i'll go with a, a solid eight because i was very nostalgic for this film and for people that are, are nostalgic for that especially you know my gender apparently i think they'll they'll <laughs> definitely get a kick out of it uh they'll you know remember things that they saw before it definitely delivers on a lot of moments some of the moments on it still work and you remember them being good and they still are good uh so for that reason i'm going to give it an 8 now will i watch this film again as an adult i don't know maybe in 5 years but I mean, if you're nostalgic for it, which is what the podcast should be rating, definitely give it a rewatch. I give it an 8.
1: Oh, I did have another thing is because I was going to say, like, it does also remind you, like, why some of these people went on to then have different careers. Mm -hmm. And then I remembered, like, so many people in this movie were in the Mighty Ducks franchise. Why were they all in the Mighty Ducks franchise?
2: Because that was another Disney movie.
1: I know, but, like, all (laughs) of them were, all of the main people were in the Mighty Ducks franchise. The main guy <sighs> Jerry was.
2: Yep. So. was. Yep.
1: Godfather yeah. was. All right, Mark,
2: your rating. Let's finish. Goldberg this. was. Goldberg. Yes. Goldberg. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, mine is going to be considerably lower. Okay. I was debating between four and five for this movie. Um. I I think throughout I I would have given it something even lower than that after the first time I watched it um but Having watched it twice and then going through this podcast and hearing some of the points that you two made kind of raised it a little bit because there were some things I hadn't considered, but I, it would probably be a four or five just because I don't have that nostalgia for it, and a lot of the jokes were targeted towards a younger audience, mm-hmm. So, so since I didn't grow up with it, it wasn't something that I have that nostalgia for, and it just didn't really hit me the way that it could have it did have good moments just not enough of them for me okay
0: yeah i think that's a perfectly valid viewpoint i mean we that's what i really like about the show is we're all coming from different perspectives and that's related in our ratings all right so let's move on to our next episode so you guys know that we are going to be doing our trilogy, our, our first trilogy, uh, but I guess our listening audience doesn't. So the way this is going to work is do now. <laughs> I get to pick the trilogy. We're going to go through all three movies. Each one will be a separate episode. So I will take the first, Mark the second, Sarah the third. Then I get skipped. They get to pick movies. Just so I pick three But I'm going to skip my next turn. Makes it a little bit fair. So, you guys know it's a trilogy. Let's do 20 questions. See if you guys can guess what it is.
1: Is it animated? No. (laughs) Does it involve the actors from the movie we just watched? Yes. Is it the Mighty Ducks? It is
0: the Mighty Ducks. (laughs) I thought of it saying
2: as soon as she said that I was had it in my head Yeah, as soon as I was saying everyone
1: first. was in the Mighty Ducks I'm like maybe that's the truth Yeah I mean Mighty Ducks for
0: me I can't go from this to, to any other movie that isn't the Mighty Ducks because Jerry appears in it Goldberg got famous from it and then Keenan shows up in the second one Um
1: mm-hmm. so you got in in this movie you got to talk about childhood crushes mm. we get we get a childhood oh, crush. is it one of the bash, uh, well, bash brothers te-
0: yes you no know
1: it's Josh, <laughs> joshua jackson
0: oh okay the, the captain yes. yes
1: well technically still a crush he was great on fringe and he was my choice in dawson's creek pacey all the way no one cares about dawson no one cares about dawson i mean joshua jackson all the way so so i'm excited to get yeah, re- you to get to see him in his prime, according to you. Ch- childhood me really enjoyed Joshua. <laughs> All
0: right, so first Mighty Ducks movie. What do you guys remember about it? Emil
2: Estevez is a lawyer who gets, uh, he has to do public service for some reason. Yes, And he so he is coaching a group of kids and he hates them because for some reason he used to be good at hockey, I thought, but now he doesn't like it anymore and he's upset that he has to coach them. And then there's the rival team that he used to play for who are all serious about it and he decides that it's better to have fun than be so serious.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're dead on with a lot of that. From what I remember, um, he he definitely gets arrested in the beginning, I think because of something with his car. Uh, and I think, I think he was I think the drunk. kids might have been related to the accident. And so it's a bit of a shock that after he gets assigned public service, he's working with the kids who got him into a wreck or something.
2: I thought he was in trouble for his, he did something, he lost a case or something and maybe was drunk
0: driving? Maybe. Uh, from what I remember, the Captain Kid, who I don't know the name of, uh, is the Charlie. only one that knows how to skate. Yeah, I think there's a montage where the rest of the Motley crew <laughs> has to learn how to skate and they go maybe uh, rollerblading. Oh, they're in a all mall? terrible.
2: They, then I think that was in the second
0: one. It though, could actually. be. They all kind of blend together um, for me.
2: But but then they tie Goldberg to the goal and shoot pucks at him to oh, make. Oh God, him. that's just
0: like this boy <laughs> torture. He
2: was scared of them at first, and so they just tie him there and hit pucks at him until he's okay with it.
1: Was it the second movie that had the bonfire at the end where they sing?
2: Oh, yes. we are
0: the champions. Because they sing, they sing yeah. Queen songs. Yes.
1: Yes, that is in the second one.
0: All right. Well, we quack. we will cover the, the, the second one in the next episode. I remember a lot about the second one because Kenan Thompson quack. shows up. But quack. yes, uh, quack is their chant. Knuckle tuck. Uh, the knuckle puck comes <laughs> up in the second one. The flying they V, named... the worst hockey move uh, ever created.
1: They named a real team after this.
0: They did the, Ani- they did. the Anaheim's. the Anheims. <laughs> that...
1: <Anaheims. laughs>
0: I know. I I said it they, wrong, they, and then they I made caught an myself. Animated and I said to say it that wrong again. The
2: two. For some reason, in the animated series, they were actual ducks, yes. but they had like superpowers well, and in weapons. In the animated and series, stuff. they were
0: kind of a knockoff <laughs> of the Ninja Turtles because they yeah. were they were a group of anthropomorphic muscly ducks, you know, defending a city. Sarah I mean, I guess confused. the Mighty
1: Ducks of Anaheim were named that because the ducks aren't were originally owned by Disney. I don't know if they're still owned by Disney.
0: The logo was the
2: same in the second movie as as the real team. That made sense. In I will my head.
1: say I am a Mighty Ducks fan because I am from Anaheim area, and it's the only hockey team I've seen.
0: What? Well, you guys will catch that next time. We're gonna close things up for this episode. So you can find us on Facebook. We have a uh, a page for the podcast. Just search retrograding; it should come right up. Uh, so you can participate in discussions there, and we may have a voting mechanic where you can help decide on upcoming episodes. If you want to interact with us. A th- and play our games you can do so by tweeting us we are on twitter as at retrograding uh, and then if you'd like to contact the show for any other reason we have a, an email at retrograding at gmail.com the music that you heard in this episode was made by dominique barnes you can find her on soundcloud as dominique a barnes that's b-a-r-n-e-s if you'd like to hear more or contact her So, it's time for the final feature. Guys, I learned something today. Now, there's a lot of lessons that we can get from this film. I wrote them down, but I'm having trouble finding them. (laughs) Ah, here we go. So, some of the lessons I pulled from this are don't put Twinkies on your pizza, never let anyone sign your checks, and sometimes violence is the answer. But... I think the most important lesson that we could gain from this film is this. Never trust a hug from Ben Stiller. That's going to do it for retrograding. Catch us next time. We will do the Mighty Ducks. See you then. do sound clip goes here all right <laughs>